I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is kindly sponsored by Stripe and Stare. Did you know that only 3% of the underwear market is sustainably sourced? This isn't such a great stat for a product that we wear every day, which is why I'm a long-term fan of Stripe and Stare. They are a UK-based, women-owned brand who make the best sustainably sourced and ethically made undercrackers I have ever worn. And I'm super excited to tell you about their brand new game-changing Bee Edit collection. Using the latest science and fibre technology, the entire range is 100% biodegradable, even the lace biodegrades. Now, I know what you're thinking, but don't worry, it won't biodegrade while you're wearing it. It needs soil and earthy nutrients to break down, so it will remain fully intact while you wear it and when you wash it. And it is also super long-lasting. Now, if you're already used to the comfort and quality of standard Stripe and Stare, you will not be disappointed. It's just as comfy and is made in a fully accredited and audited factory in Portugal before it travels by ground, not by air, to the UK. Revolutions start from the bottom up. So if you would like to try Stripe and Stare, I have an exclusive 20% off discount code for my listeners. Just head to stripeandstare.com and use things20 at checkout. That's stripeandstare.com and code things20. Thanks very much to Stripe and Stare. Welcome back to All the Small Things with me, Venetia. I hope you're doing really well and it is just lovely to be keeping you company today. I'm super excited about today's episode. It is with the wonderful Chloe Assam. She is a designer, researcher, community organizer and program operations manager for the All Foundation. If you're new to the All Foundation, they are an incredible charity and campaign who are raising awareness about the fashion waste crisis, specifically in Ghana's capital, Accra, where 15 million used garments pour into the area every week from the UK, Europe, North America and Australia, flooding the city's sprawling clothing market. The OR, which stands for choice, work at the intersection of environmental justice, education and fashion development, and their mission is to identify and manifest alternatives to the dominant model of fashion that we're so familiar with. Alternatives that bring forth ecological prosperity as opposed to destruction and that inspire citizens to form a relationship with fashion that extends beyond their role as a consumer. They want to catalyze a justice-led circular economy and a truly circular economy. At every level, their initiatives are founded on the belief that justice within the violent yet beautiful world we share begins with reckoning, recovery and reparations. With a background in fashion design, Chloe sees the negative impact of fast fashion's thoughtless overproduction and she is on a mission to do something about it. Chloe's work with the All Foundation builds on her personal advocacy and gives her the space to have a tangible impact on the people working within the Cantamanto ecosystem, specifically the Kaya Female Head Porters. 
Now, Cantamanto is a market in Accra, which is the capital of Ghana, and 40,000 bales of clothing arrive there every week. And it's the job of the Kaya to transport these huge bales of clothing on their head, and these can weigh up to 200 pounds. It's these women we need to be thinking about the next time a big fashion brand insists we buy now or regret it later. A small note about this interview, there are some coffee sounds in the background, which I enjoy, of course, and I hope you don't find too distracting. Here's Chloe Sam on All The Small Things. Let us start as we always do. I'd love to hear if you have any rituals that you like to habit when you wake up in the morning. Are you quite a cool, calm and collected person first thing in the morning or are you quite chaotic? How are you kind of structuring your days when you wake up? Um, when I wake up, I really need to like ease into the day. And so how I usually do that when I can make it happen is if I can get some exercises in, maybe a 30 minute aerobics. I feel like calm in my mind and calm in my body and I'm ready to tackle everything that's going to come my way. Um, add to that, maybe if I have like a hot cup of coffee or a hot cup of tea, I, I'm, I'm really good to you know power through my day. But when I'm not able to, I realize to do either one of those, I just feel really lethargic. I feel like really down. And so most mornings I try to get my aerobics in to set me up for the rest of the day. Love, love, love that. I would also love to hear a little bit about your childhood and where you grew up and perhaps also your relationship with clothes growing up. I just think having an understanding of your family and your life how it began will give our listeners a good grounding of who you are. So I grew up in Kumasi in a house full of close relatives. It was always like noisy. There was always someone at home. At one time, I think my grandma had like 10, 12 kids in the house. I think she instilled some form of like relationship with clothing in all of us because my cousins my age, we were sharing clothing pieces. And sometimes she would go like full blown, like dictatorial on us. Like, and she like, all of you put your clothes together. We're going to like sort it out and you get that, you get that, you get that. And so she's like constantly every couple of years putting clothes together and changing our wardrobe. And so it's like, we have to go buy new things. You can just, you know, you can just pass down whatever clothing don't, that don't fit you anymore to your sister or a cousin. And then maybe an older person can also give you the clothes. And so I think that's where it started for me in terms of my relationship with clothes. It was never something that was like a one-off. You just wear it and then put it away. It's like, in hindsight, I feel like she did me a really good service by you know, like thinking like you need to be able to share your clothing. You need to allow yourselves to um, be open to other people. So giving you their clothing and like this form of like redistribution, she set it up for us, I think. It's such a good way to learn how to share with your loved ones, siblings, and that obviously can also extend later in life to sharing clothes with friends and that kind of thing. I think it's very, very important. Did you ever have pieces that you were less willing to share or, or were you yeah, always <laughs> and you like no you don't you don't wear this anymore your sister needs those clothes to go out why aren't you willing to give it away I'm like but it's one of my favorite pieces it's like it doesn't fit I would be pouting all day but eventually you want out all the time I love that thanks for your honesty there Tell me about how you got into fashion design and kind of when also you decided that you wanted to be a fashion designer and work in that industry um, and perhaps a little bit about your journey working with the ore. 
I didn't have that intention to be a fashion designer. Maybe in my teens, maybe like 14 or 15. I think I'd spent a couple of months with my auntie and she was like, she was a dressmaker in Kumasi. I would go with her to work every day um, and I would see her like so away all day and with this intensity and this amazing craftsmanship. And so I think that was the initial interaction with making clothes and fashion. But I wanted to do journalism, but it didn't work out. And then I was like, okay, the next best thing is fashion because I was drawing and I was painting, I was sketching every now and then. I was like, wait, maybe I could just take this seriously, see how that goes. So it wasn't necessarily my first choice, but I wouldn't have had it any other way because I feel like I found myself through my fashion creativity, like design and experimenting with clothing and fabric. I feel like I was able to find my voice because when I got into fashion school, the first year, I was like, hmm, I'm really good at this. I could really make a career out of this. Like, wow. It just sort of like fell into it. I was on full throttle and my, my lecturers would even tell you this. Like, there was no stopping up. And so when I came out, I, I was working for a couple of local brands. I was designing for them. I worked in retail for a bit. And I decided to do my own thing. I think I saw the Oars work on my Explore page. I was like, oh, wow. Like, I thought I knew Cantamanto, but I don't really know Cantamanto the way I should know Cantamanto. And so, like, that really uh, intrigued me. And I reached out to Liz. Um, I joined, like, a panel discussion. I was listening and asking questions. They had so much to share. But there wasn't enough time for them to, of course, share all the work that they, they've been doing. So I followed up with her. And then I think a couple of months after that, she invited me to speak on how fast fashion and the secondhand clothing market is having an impact on me and other designers in my community. And also add to that how COVID is adding to, you know, all of that. How are we surviving? How are we even making money out of it? And so that was my first interaction with the OR. And then a couple of months later, I volunteered. And then I snowballed into working part-time and I snowballed into working full-time. And I am blessed to work with the Or Foundation, I have to say. It has changed my, first, my design process, my approach on life and how empathetic I am, how compassionate I am. It really is a humbling experience. And also just interacting with people who also believe in the fight and do whatever they can to make a change. It's been a wonderful journey and I'm looking forward to what's coming up next. So let's dive into fashion's waste crisis. Mm. <laughs> Tell me, what is the extent of fashion's waste crisis right now? And what is the root cause of fashion's waste crisis? Okay, I think the root of the issue is greed on the business side, the companies, the production side. People constantly doing whatever they can to extract and hoard power and hoard money. And on the other side, which is where the consumer comes in, is this unrelenting void that you have to keep on filling. Is this idea of, I need to get something else to fill the void because there's something going on that I'm relying on overconsumption to fill. People lack love, compassion, and they don't have that human connection as much. Human capitalism, because we're all working, we're all, we don't have time to slow down and really connect, right? And so I think that's where 
that overconsumption comes in. It's like, I need to keep on buying. And mind you, it's only for a short period of time. And so when you buy it, the first couple of hours, you feel good. The next, not so good. Firstly, I'm very grateful that you brought up the kind of issue of mental health, because I think being less than is something that big fashion is really playing us with they know that we're feeling less than they know that we feel like we're not enough and then you tie in a hefty amount of social media which adds pressure for us to buy and then you have big fashion at the top producing more clothes than our planet and its people can sustain and I do think big fashion is the root cause of the issue so when we think about the excess clothes that brands in the global north are producing What happens to that excess clothing? What happens when we don't wear it enough? We maybe buy it once and then donate it or throw it away. What happens to that clothing? Does it just magically disappear? Where does it end up? (laughs) I love that you said it magically disappears. That's what people actually think. The fact that it's away from them, it gives them this idea. But for something to be away, it means that it's elsewhere. Just because you don't see it, doesn't mean it magically dissipates, right? And so when people go and donate and then people go and then um, they put their clothes in collection bins, they eventually end up in places like Cantamanto in the global south where it becomes someone else's burden. It becomes someone else's problem. And as much as you like to think that, oh, I'm donating the clothes because it's going to um, a better use in the global south. Maybe people need it there. But most often than not, the clothes that end up here are trash. No one wants them. No one has need for them. And it ends up being our problem. And we lack, first of all, the infrastructure to be able to deal with such waste. And what happens to it is it blankets the ocean floor, the beaches. It's been um, burned openly, informally. A lot of people are going into debt to try and salvage the global North's fashion excess. But it's coming in this... Um, consistent, fast-moving pace that there isn't even enough time for Kantaman to to do its job. So in the end, they can only salvage maybe 60% or up to 65% of the clothing that's coming in. And this is 50 million pieces every week. So I think it would be very, very helpful for you to tell people what is Kantamanto Market and paint us a picture of what it's like there. Kantamanto Market is an amazing, beautiful place. And it's a humbling place to be. It's a community of individuals who are working in unison to salvage in the global north's fashion excess waste. It is an ecosystem of 30,000 individuals, people who are cyclists, people who are recyclists, they're seamstresses, they're retailers, they're artists, the individual contractors. There's a variety of people working in unison, doing their own part to divert the pieces from being landfilled, from being burnt in the open, from ending up in the in the ocean floor and in the beaches. It's it's amazing to watch. Sewing, cutting, resizing, dyeing, um, trying to add like a screen print on over over a t-shirt or trying to add some, you know, some embellishments to a dress. But what is making Kantamantu's job harder is the quality of clothes that are coming out simply trash. They you can work with those things. It's not a safe haven for everything to be recirculated because there's very little time and because there's really low quality. There's just too much clothing and too much waste. What do you think is is the reason behind it being such poor quality? 
And I'd also be interested to hear what kind of pieces you see the most and what brands and also why they are trash. A lot of the culprits are big fast fashion. So H&M, Boohoo, Pretty Little Thing, ASOS. I really find a lot of H&M in the market, just on the floor, on the streets. They could be t-shirts that have big stains on them. It looks like it's only been worn once or twice, but the quality of the clothing is really cheap. You hold it, it's like, oh, I get why this is on the floor, because no one wants those. The retailers cannot merchandise them, they cannot resell them. And because we don't have the capacity to deal with that textile waste, it ends up affecting our ecosystem in many ways that the people in the global north cannot even imagine. Yeah, it does. Tell me about some of the damage that this excess is causing the people who work there and the communities around the area. What is that actually doing for their health? At the back of Cantamanto is Ofodama. So at the backyard of Ofodama, where some of the you know the retailers and mostly the kaiomen who carry the bales live, it ends up in their backyard. It ends up polluting their backyards, of course, because this is mixed up with all sorts of waste. And then some of them are burnt in the open, and that has implications on their health. It ends up in on the streets and then around the proximity of Cantamanto. And then the local government has to get trucks to come take them and then go landfill them somewhere in Porn. That landfill caught fire, and that did a whole lot of damage Think about all of that polyester being burnt. Imagine smelling that. Imagine living with that. Imagine being blamed and being shamed for that just because it's in your backyard. Without even having any like power or any plan of recourse to be able to save yourself from all of these that are coming at you. It's absolutely heartbreaking. You've conjured this really clear image of, you know, I cannot imagine just tipping my trash into my next door neighbor's garden, but that is effectively what is happening this is something that the all foundation refer to as waste colonialism when we think about colonialism we perhaps have this misinformed idea that it's something of the past but fast fashion keeps it very much alive so i'm wondering chloe if you were in a room with some big fashion CEOs and they were proudly telling you about their latest recycled range or their latest take back scheme. What would be your message to them? I don't want to even hear that anymore, Venetia. I'm literally sick and tired of people saying they have take back programs to be able to recycle the textile waste. They have take back programs <laughs> to be able to take on all of that clothing and make it put it to a good use. I don't think they're really interested in, in, in solving the problem. If all you're thinking of is taking it back and making a profit off of it. So just stop for a minute. Why are you overproducing so much? Why are you producing so much? But I think what that is, is getting people to latch on an idea that it's a solution to all the clothing that we have around us. It's a solution for us to keep on producing because if we have recycling, oh, then I guess we've solved the problem. We could just continue to do the harm that we're doing and pulling profit as we have always been doing over the years. And that's why they're unable to stop because once they stop, it means like the money stops coming in. And until people can say it as it is and call it out, it's, there's going to be a lot of greenwashing. There's going to be a lot of like conversations shifting from what the problem really is and what we should be talking about. What you just said links back to what you said at the beginning about the root of the issue being greed. Mm -hmm. 
And it makes me very angry that big fashion are wanting to take up so much space in the sustainability circular economy conversation when really taking absolutely no responsibility for the harm that they are causing. Recycling, like you've rightly said, only works if it is married with a vast decrease in production. So let's talk about what the All Foundation are doing to raise awareness about this issue and to also solve this issue. What we do is that we try to advocate for a justice-led secular system where each and every person in the supply chain is accounted, protected, and have the power to advocate for themselves and the people that they work with. Because often, we, when we talk about secularity, when we talk about solutions, we often talk about and discuss the environmental and the material side of things. But we fail to keep that same energy when we're talking about human beings, the labor, what happens really on the ground before your clothing can get to you, before your clothing can leave, um, to the away that you think it's going. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It would be really helpful for us to hear from you about some of the solutions that we have, perhaps on a systemic level and also on an individual level, so we can feel part of this solution to such a big crisis. I don't necessarily have a one solution, but I know that starting from where you are in terms of like, have you come to terms with your overconsumption behavior? Have you come to terms with why you're buying that new clothing, how are you forming relationships with your clothing, that's where I feel it starts as an individual. As for fast fashion brands, I just want you to stop producing that much. I just want you to stop pointing off that responsibility of your actions onto people in the global south and onto consumers in the global north. Responsibility is not only on the individual, And it really is mostly on the fashion brands, the big businesses and the CEOs to really step up and really clean up the mess. One of the things that I will say is a solution or a way to finding a solution is to stop producing as much because there's way too much clothing in the world. There's too much clothing for each and every one of us. The most sustainable wardrobe you have right now is the one you have in your wardrobe. 
a single act of buying clothing can affect an entire family in, in, in the global South. And so I feel like a step to finding solutions is to address your part and the responsibility and the role you play in all of it, because it's all connected. Nothing is in isolation. Do you think we have to move away from the idea that donating our clothes is a good deed? Yeah, I think it's, it's way past the time for a lot of people to really drop that notion. It's not helping anyone. Because the reality is, resale platforms, known really in the global north, take the cream off the selection, and we end up with the trash. Or the pieces that have been donated, you didn't even think if that piece is even going to be wanted or needed. It's never been about that. It really has never been. Because winter coats end up here. Polyester, weird blouses, ladies' blouses end up here that people cannot connect with. The, the women and the men in the market are going to such lengths and getting deeper and deeper into debt to salvage these pieces. Mind you, it's not for free. You think you're donating these pieces? They are being bought for huge sums of money. And then in the end, the women are not even breaking even. You spend 200 300 USD for a bail, and in the end, you don't make half of it. What, what is the point? They go out of their way to go into banks to take out loans and come back, and you, you keep on buying trash and buying trash. Hopefully, like hoping and praying that maybe today or this week, I could get some pieces that I can salvage and maybe get money and start to pay off my debt. But it, it's never ending. It's every week, every month, every year. Since the past at least four years, it's been getting worse and worse. I think fashion being a feminist issue has never been so true. We know that fashion is a feminist issue at the start of the supply chain with garment makers, with the fact that they are predominantly women of color, not making fair living wages, that they are suffering abuse in the workplace. And we also know that fashion is a feminist issue in the reverse supply chain for all the reasons that you've just pointed out. So it is time to really hold fashion brands to account when they peddle us their empowered women, feminist messages. Big fashion is categorically not feminist. Chloe, what does true sustainable fashion look like to you? Sustainable fashion to me is slow. It is considerate. And it's protective of every woman, every person in a supply chain. It has wealth redistributed. It has power in the sense that it is not for one person, but it's for a community of people. It is retailers not going to debt for some billionaire's agenda. It's from a place of compassion, a place of equity, a place of love, a place of respect, protection and warmth. And that's essentially the way... Cantamanto is really in essence it's a community who have these values what will you be wearing to the fashion revolution so i'm wearing a piece that um a retailer gifted to me a couple of months ago it's beautiful thank you usually when i go in a visit and they're like oh i want i want to give you something i want to give you a gift and they'll give me maybe a top or a skirt. And it's made me connect to them in many ways. And I value these pieces. Like, I want to wear them everywhere because it's like a badge of honor. It's like, I am doing whatever I can 
to make sure that these women are able to advocate for themselves and understand what, what the role they play and the power dynamics that affects them and the work that they do. It's like coming home and understanding and realizing that, oh, this woman gave this to me because she appreciates the work that I'm doing. She appreciates that I'm there for her and she appreciates that I am advocating for her. It's nothing like it. When you go there and you speak with them, and they're just amazing people. And most of the time they don't understand the power that they hold and how much weight they have on them in trying their best to recycle and recirculate, upcycle uh, pieces that are shipped from the global north. Thank you for sharing that. So, so beautiful. Um, how would you feel about doing a quick fire round? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> quick fire with Chloe. Wake up early or have a lion? Oh, wake up early. I'm an early bird. Tea or coffee? I'll go with tea. Pancakes or cookies? Cookies. Jeans or dresses? Ooh, that's a tough one. Dresses. Heels or sneakers? Um, I used to have heels, like wear and love them a lot, but they aren't really functional in the work that I do. Like I have to go into the market and I have to like walk all, all day. It's not. So sneakers. Yeah, definitely sneakers. It's, it's functional. Handbags or backpacks? Mm, handbags. In the trees or by the sea? Ah, by the sea. Uh, thinking about it, just relaxing by the sea. Twitter or Instagram? Definitely Instagram podcasts or netflix i would say i'm getting into podcasts a lot lately especially ever since getting into the sustainability community I, but before i was a netflix chick sunrise or sunset 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 Benicia. and finally routine or spontaneity is there like a middle ground for those two because sometimes i believe i have like routine but <laughs> sometimes not so much in between we'll go for in between i'm I'm with you i'm with you um final few questions what is your one non-negotiable daily self-care habit oh my face regimen i need to pamper my face every day like wash it cleanse it put serums on there put some shea butter just massage my face i cannot get into anything without doing that in the morning it shows thank you (laughs) What have you read, listened to, or watched recently that you would like to recommend? Insight. Insight by Tasha Urich. It's about how we're not as self-aware as we think we are and then how we are able to be a bit more self-aware and how it affects the way we work and the way we interact with each other and how it leads to success in all of these parts. It really changed my idea of what self-awareness is. That sounds really fascinating. And finally, what is one thing that you hope your future self will have achieved? That I'm able to impact the Kaiwa women, the women who carry the veils, who I believe are the essential, if not one, the essential labor roles to be able to get everything working in Kantamanto. And yet, they are not as appreciated as I want them to be and so it would be that I'm able to make a positive impact on their lives and they can advocate for themselves and the women after them as well thank you so much Chloe I'm so grateful for your work and for the All Foundation and I'm just delighted to have spent this time with you thank you it's been a pleasure thank you so much for bringing me on I appreciate it 
I really hope you enjoyed this episode and perhaps gained something from it. If you did, then please do share it with a friend or on social media. And be sure to follow the work of Chloe and the Awe Foundation. You can find them on Instagram at the Awe is present and at Chloe underscore Assam. And if you'd like to donate to the Awe's research project exploring the secondhand clothing trade in the context of Accra, Ghana, please head to deadwhitemansclothes.org forward slash donate. And as ever, please do be sure to hit the episode notes as there I will leave lots of useful links of ways you can get involved, research, learn more and support this fantastic cause. Thank you so much again for listening. It really, really does mean the world to me that you tune into this podcast and I will see you very soon. Bye-bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.